Hey everyone, uh, Jason Klein here. I'm the senior minister here at Refocus Christian Church, uh, located in Fallonsby, West Virginia. I just want to say uh, thank you so much for listening to our content. Uh, feel free to share or like or leave any comments you have. Uh, we're always looking to engage with people. Uh, what are some questions you have? What are some things that you might be learning? Uh, and at the same time, if you want to know more about us, check us out at refocuschurch.com, uh, which also has a link to our Facebook there. Uh, and so it just has uh, upcoming events, things that are going on, uh, sermon series that we're in. Uh, so once again, thanks for being a part of this. Thank you for listening in. And as always, please feel free to share and comment or like, because uh, we want to make sure that we're trying to reach as many people possible uh, with the good news of Jesus Christ. All right. Have a great day. Uh, so just a couple quick announcements. Make sure you're checking out your bulletin for upcoming events that are happening. Uh, be aware the community groups are starting tonight. Uh, mine and Danny's is happening up at our house. Uh, the address, uh, if you go back on the back table, there's a sheet of paper that actually has all the available community groups. We plan on adding to that uh, eventually, uh, but it has the address, location, where it is, the time, the day, and then the contact person uh, that you um, need to get a hold of. Also, if you don't mind, just everyone pull out your phone real quick. I'm going to ask you to take out your phone in church, right? If you go to the App Store, there's an app that you can download called Church Center. That's the name of it. It has a little house on it. You'll see it. Uh, if you download that app, you can actually search for the name of our church, so Refocus Church, and it'll connect you uh, to an app that's actually built for us. And in that app currently, there's three main functions. One, there's an active calendar so that's updated regularly so you can see the events that are happening. Two, it has all the information for the different community groups uh, that you can be involved with. You can actually request to join on the app, and it emails those who are in charge of it. And then three, uh, it actually has the sermons from the last, the series that we're in and the series moving forward. Uh, it's just a really convenient way for us to communicate what's happening. Uh, like I said, as we continue to develop that app, there's going to be more to it. Uh, so it's called Church Center. It looks like a little house. It's kind of blue-greenish. Blue if you have any questions or you don't know how to download or operate it, catch me after service. More than happy to help you get connected with that. Uh, so that's one of the ways we're going to continue to help just kind of make sure we're communicating things that are happening. Uh, REACH, uh, we continue to appreciate REACH and what they're doing. If you need a food assistance, call REACH at 304-527-3673. Uh, community groups start tonight. See you at the polls on Wednesday. I'll be meeting at Brook High School. Uh, junior and senior high fall party is the 22nd of October. The community fall party is October 30th. Trunk or Treat, uh, we'll announce that date as soon as we find out when Brook is doing it, uh, or Brook County is doing it. And then ICOM is coming up November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Uh, just a really quick uh, recap of ICOM. It's International Conference on Missions. The church has paid uh, for anyone who wants to go, so it doesn't cost you anything to attend in person. However, you do have to still register, uh, and there's a link or there's a code that we can give you for your registration purposes. Uh, so if you're interested in going, uh, it's in Columbus. I'm going to get a couple of hotel rooms. I plan on going the entire three days of the event. 
I've been there a couple years ago, and it really is just an awesome way to connect and network and look at all the missions and how God's working all over the world, uh, locally and abroad. Uh, And there's also a virtual option. We're going to set it up. Uh, We're going to find a way to connect it here at the church that if you can't get to Columbus, you can actually come and participate virtually uh, and actually come and watch the live streams here uh, at the church. Uh, So I have more information as we get closer to those dates. I really encourage you, if you can come, please come. It is a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited to go back to Columbus. I know the area pretty well, so I know where all the good coffee shops are and all the good pizza places, and there's a really good cookie place that Rob and I are going to hit up that he doesn't know yet. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it, it'll be an awesome time, an awesome experience. Uh, with that being said, speaking of missions, before I introduce this next family, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Bobby Westfall. Bobby Westfall and I have known each other probably since I was late teens. I actually found some pictures of me when Bobby would have known me. Please come up. There they are. Those those pictures are awful, by the way. I think I was 21. Uh, So the store that we're in, the brick wall there, is actually a store that used to be in the mall called Faith Out Loud. And yes, I was in a band. Notice we didn't go big time, uh, as most bands don't. Uh, and this is part of that group, and you've seen some of these guys. Uh, but this is when Bobby knew me. I actually got connected with him. Uh, I used to go to Faith Out Loud and just hang out all the time. They had like a choir in the back, and we played video games and hung out. And uh, he just he's always had a passion for uh, reaching in the community, investing in the community. And, and these pictures are lovely. I had some of him, but I decided not to throw them up there because uh, I didn't get his permission. But this is when Bobby knew me, not at my greatest choice of style. Danny always makes fun of me because of the ball chain that I wore. That was a thing, by the way. It was a, right? I was cool. Or I thought I was cool. Um, <laughs> these are awful pictures, by the way. They're online. They're on my Facebook if you ever want to see them. Uh, I figured I'd get them out there before other people make fun of me. Uh, but I knew Bobby way back when, and I knew Bobby and... Uh, our life, we were connected, we did music together, uh, we've actually done a few shows together, and uh, at some point in life, we kind of separated, I moved out of the area, he left too, uh, And but the reason I'm inviting them up here is because I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that has such a big heart for people, and more importantly, people who don't know Jesus. Uh, Bobby was the kind of guy that he would strike up a conversation with anyone, man. He was so, it was so easy. You know, it looked easy. And he's always had a passion for building good relationships in the community and taking the church beyond the walls. And so the reason I have invited them this morning is, one, I want to hear, I want you to hear more of their story. Um, but at the same time, I look forward to in the future, and him and I have connected, we look on hoping to connect and do some stuff with them. Uh, so with that in mind, Bobby and Stacy Westfall. You can bring the kids if you want. I don't know if they're all going to fit. but They might be in and out. Of, right. uh, I think the, the pictures, I think um, what I like is the, the drastic difference and just the pictures of you. Yeah. In one picture, you got a polo on, <laughs> and then the other picture, you got a you got a black tank top on. Yeah. And then you got the red shirt with the necklace. It was like you were just multiple people wrapped up in one. <laughs> and uh, 
I enjoyed that. And so I think the pictures of me that you would, you would refer to, um, I think I'd actually, I wouldn't have minded them because I was, I was probably about a hundred pounds less than I am right now. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, we, we appreciate you, uh, inviting us. And like you said, I've known Jason for a long time and, um, it's awesome to see just what God is doing in his life. And, um, for us, I, I, I tend to, if I don't have a script, um, talk long. So what I'm going to try to do is break this down in the segments, um, and let Stacy and Jason kind of keep me, um, be my bumpers in the bowling alley, if you will, uh, to keep me on track. But I think in order to really paint the picture of what God has done in our lives and what he's doing in our lives now, I think I have to share about kind of where I come from. Um, I was a kid who my dad was in the military, so we moved around a lot uh, when I was little. I was born in uh, in Steubenville, but I lived in Mingo. And um, at two years old, we moved out of the area and I went to kindergarten in Kentucky, um, first through fourth grade in Honolulu, Hawaii, fifth grade and half of sixth grade in Colleen, Texas, and then we came back uh, to this area. And it was upon coming back to this area, I was, you know, kind of 11 years old-ish. I was halfway through the sixth grade, and I was trying to figure out um, who I am, you know, because I, I didn't understand um, anything about identity or anything. So um, I remember coming back and the kids here were so mean compared to anywhere else that I had been. I mean, within the first couple weeks of being in school, um, I was beat up on the playground um, and I was only four foot 11. It wasn't like I was intimidating anybody or uh, being a bully or anything. I, for whatever reason, I was just the opponent that day to get beat up. And, um, I remember the teachers just kind of watching as if like it happens all the time or something. It was nothing. And, um, I just remember going home and just, I don't understand what have I done wrong? Uh, why don't people see me? You know, like why, why don't they see that I'm not, I'm not a bad kid, you know? And so I began kind of in this, uh, you would start to say the beginning of a downward spiral, which I didn't know at the time, but, um, I began to try to figure out what I could do about it. And so um, it wasn't even a month later, my, uh, my solution uh, one day after school was uh, my family wasn't going to be home. And I, uh, I knew that I had the time and the space. And so I was going to end my life. And so at sixth grade, in sixth grade, I, uh, I came home from school and I uh, turned the bathroom water on in the tub, plugged the drain up. And, uh, you know, I was aware that I didn't want my parents to come home and have to clean up blood, right? It was, it's a weird thought um, that you're, you're thinking about ending your life, but I'm trying to be respectful to my parents at the same time. It's kind of a weird thing, but I remember thinking if I did this, it would be a better cleanup. And so I kind of, I got out a photo album, an empty photo album, and I remember putting the pictures of myself in chronological order from birth to 11 years old. And I wrote a little letter to let my parents know that, look, it wasn't your fault. Um, you guys have loved me, but I just don't feel like I have any value. And uh, I don't see a point to go on living. And so I put that on my dresser and I went to the bathroom. And um, man, I tried for probably better part of an hour to, to just 
keep myself under the water, but I couldn't do it. And so finally, I knew that they would be coming home soon, and I went back into my room, let the water out of the tub first, went back into my room, um, disassembled the photo album, threw away the letter, and in that moment, I remember just laying on my bed, just bawling, yelling out to God, saying, they don't see me. I don't feel like anybody loves me outside of my family, um, and I don't have a purpose. Why will you not let me in my life? And so I yelled out that I would do whatever it took to get that acceptance. And it kind of set me on a journey that would last about 10 years. Um, at that point, 21 years old, I had become a full-blown alcoholic, drug use, um, getting to the point of you know stealing cars and even tried selling drugs, which I realized that I was not made up to be a drug dealer. Um, a day and a half into it, I was too paranoid. I couldn't do it. So um, I retired from drug dealing after a day and a half. But I continued to live this lifestyle, trying to find that, that, um, that purpose. And um, it all kind of came together one night um, after months of kind of getting deeper and deeper because I could feel myself realizing that it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Um, but I kept drinking more, trying to, to drown that out. But um, I was at a party down from my house, and uh, a couple people went down to the railroad tracks. Uh, to a, there's an old train tunnel that we used to go down to and walk through because the tunnel itself was not uh, in use, but um, the train tracks were. So they would bring trains down uh, to the tunnel, switch tracks, and go back the other way. Uh, but the tunnel was kind of like that cool thing to do to be scared or whatever. And uh, so I set out to go down to this tunnel with this group of people and um, I just, I couldn't walk straight. I couldn't keep my balance. And by the time I got to the railroad tracks, they were long gone. And, um, I started to walk and it was probably once every 50 feet or less, I would fall and I would hit my head off the beams of the railroad tracks and I gather myself and I'd get up and I'd do it again. And again, finally, the last time I hit, I landed on my back and I'm laying there and it felt like I was paralyzed from my neck down. Um, my arms were just out, touching each beam on each side. And um, I'm laying there. And the group of people that I was going down to try to meet up with, they were on their way back. And they, uh, they stopped and uh, had a little conversation with me, asked me if I was okay. And I told them I couldn't move. And they were like, oh, okay, cool, man. You know, and I uh, kept the conversation going for a minute. And then eventually they just left. And they left me lay there in the tracks and... Lying there in the pitch black, um, I began to hear the words in my head of the kids from sixth grade telling me that I was unlovable, telling me that I was worthless, telling me that nobody cares about me, and questioning why I was even alive. And in that moment, I, uh, I just felt nothing but darkness around. And it was, uh, it was a fearful experience because... Everything that I had sacrificed to get to this point of popularity or point of being accepted had le had led me here to be on these tracks alone. And um, after the, I don't even know how much time went by, but the realization of it, something happened. Um, I can only explain it as just as peace came over me, I felt that somebody or something was looking at me, but not in a judgmental way, but in a way that was revealing to my heart that my life was worth more than this. And that's, there was no audible voice or no burning bush or anything like that, but it was just this presence that was just love 
poured over me and that statement echoing in my mind. And I'm processing it and I'm trying to figure out, you know, why would you reveal yourself to me in this way? You know, I'm not at a church service. There's no choir singing. I don't have a, a worship team worship or leading me into the presence of God. I'm, I'm not on the, in a mission field. Like, I'm literally at the lowest point of my life, the darkest night of my life. And you want to tell me that my life is worth something. And so I remember just thinking, you know, if, if, if you come here for me, then you can have me. But I couldn't get up and walk still, so I'm still laying there. And I, I, I remember seeing lights hitting the top of the trees because it was pitch black. And so it was very evident when lights start hitting the top of the trees. And um, I began to think, oh, he revealed himself to me right before a train runs me over. And he, 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 he reached down to the, the pigsty, if you will, the prodigal son, and told me I was loved. And now my life is going to be over. Well, after... Uh, 10 seconds, 20 seconds of seeing these lights, I started to realize that I'm hearing gravel. And I was like, what kind of train is driving on the gravel? You know, well, then here comes my cousin Mike and my sister who were at the party. And when the other people got back um, and told them that they left me, he said, we're going to come come find me. And so he comes down like Dukes of Hazard style in this big old redneck truck slide sideways. I don't even think the truck had stopped and he's jumping out. Hey man, you all right? And I'm like, no, I can't get up, you know? And, um, so he, he helps me up into the truck and, um, we go back to the party and he's mad. He's ready to fight the people that left me. And, uh, I'm just sitting out by the bonfire trying to figure out what is going on. Like I have a peace in my life that I've never had before. I feel, I feel like God has a, has a reason for me to be alive. And I'm watching the bonfire and uh, each flame was so unique and each one served its own purpose in the fire. And it's so weird to think of it, but it was so real. And uh, about an hour later, I heard a train whistle. And in that moment, I knew that God didn't come down and reveal himself to me an hour and uh, right before I died, but he did it within an hour of what would have been the death of my human life to, to show me that I have, a, I have purpose and I have value. And so um, I got up from that, that bonfire and I, I went home and um, went to bed, woke up, and my mom asked me in the morning uh, one question that, that was kind of the solidifying everything that I had just been through for 10 years. She sees all the, the knots on my face and she says, was it worth it? She was meaning the party last night. But I said, no, mom, everything that I have done to get people to see me, to love me, for me to have purpose has failed. But last night I met Jesus and I feel that I have a purpose and that God is calling me to go to reach people who are just like me. And so that's kind of the backstory of what led me up to beginning to do ministry, beginning to do music. Uh, within two weeks, we were doing uh, Christian hip-hop, and um, this would have been 20, 22 years ago, and uh, it wasn't welcome in the church at all. And uh, so I go from being an alcoholic who, you know, church people kind of walk by and don't want nothing to do with me, to being a kid that's on fire with the testimony I want to share about Jesus, and they're telling me that I can't do that there, and um, it forced me to go outside the church. 
and begin to share my story through music and through just serving people. And um, that kind of sparked that. And so uh, that leads us up to 2000. And then um, Stacy and I got married in 2010. Yeah. Yeah, and she's younger than I am, and I think it's, like, maturity-wise, she's probably older than me, but age-wise, she's younger. And so I think God had it planned out of when he would send her to me because um, I would have not been able to receive such a gift um, early on in my, in my walk. Um, and so, yeah, 2010, we got married, and I was doing hip-hop music, and uh, we had just had to close Faith Out Loud, and I believe it was 2008 when we closed the the on the financial end of it, the, the recession just hit. And, um, you know, we at, at the mall, you know, if you don't know faith out loud, we were kind of, uh, we sold Christian apparel, we sold uh, books and CDs and we'd have concerts and stuff. And, um, we, we had a lot of church support in the beginning of it. The first four months, um, I think we did cause we had moved from a small storefront in Mingo out to the mall. And I think in the first four months we did almost five times in sales what we did in Mingo um, previously at all. So we thought, okay, this, this is not only going to be able to um, provide so that we can continue to do it, but it's also going to provide for, for me like as a career. So I left, I was working at Dick's Sporting Goods. I left that job to, to, to work for ourselves um, really unpaid at first and um, realized quickly after that, that I would never get paid. Um, and, uh, but I was, I was passionate about it. So we started to see it as an opportunity. The, the security guard at the mall, Frank, uh, who was an awesome guy, he would, he would come down and uh, sometimes I think he would sneak a little nap in the back area where we were at. He'd be like, hey, let me know if somebody's coming and he would just kind of disappear. But um, he would also start to bring down the kids in the mall that he was about to go out, you know, because they were acting up, they were doing something and he would say, hey, can you do anything with these kids? And I said, look, we got video games. You guys want to play video games? And they were like, yeah, we play video games. So it kind of started this, this um, place for these kids who were banned from the mall before they got to be able to kind of come have a, have a place where they can do that. And we started to do that, started bringing in music that was geared towards younger people, which is why you, know, you guys came and other bands came, hip-hop and rock. And um, we started to just see God move in these margins of – uh, with these kids that were throwaways, you know what I mean? In the world's eyes, uh, they were just bad kids. And in our eyes, we were saying, this is the reason we're here. Uh, but what we started to notice was as we worked more with them kids, the church worked less with us. And by the end of that year, we had went, I mean, a few months with barely any income, any sales. And so finally we had to renew our lease and we, we made the decision that we, we just, we had to, uh, closed down. And um, it was a bummer, but it was a realization for us that um, sometimes when you go outside the walls, people aren't going to get it. And they're going to assume that that means you're joining up with them. And um, I'll get into a little bit another story of that later on um, as we go. But that was 2008. We closed that. 2010, Stacey and I get married. And uh, we're traveling a little bit, doing um, the, the group that I was in, um, our name was called out. Um, and we did hip hop music. We actually started out doing a bunch of different music, but we kind of centered on hip hop and, um, kind of that soul music. And then, um, 2011, uh, it, it was just down to me and doc 
and then God kind of had us go our separate ways. And so in that time, we were um, living in the country club in Steubenville. I had a job as a photographer. Um, I loved it. You know, got to go um, shoot dance studios and high school bands. And uh, one of the schools we used to shoot was the Abbey Studio in Pittsburgh from the show Dance Moms. It was right as her show was kind of kicking off. And so there were opportunities that were happening in the photography world that um, she was trying to get me connected with some magazines and different things. And um, I was excited about it because I thought, man, this is, I'm, I really feel like I enjoy going to work. Um, I enjoy it. It's providing for us. Uh, Stacy was working at Federico's, um, making subs and uh, cutting up the, the lunch meat. And she was going to school um, as well. And um, 2000 and, uh, at the end of 2011, we started to just really say, God, there has to be more, right? You, you didn't radically rescue me to just have me go you know, do a, a concert every once in a while or, or uh, just go work. And um, how can I implement all the gifts you've given me um, and serve you? And so on New Year's Eve of 2011, Stacy got home from work. It was about, what, 8 o'clock? Something eight o'clock, and uh, I've been sitting there just thinking, uh, I want to do something different. I want 2012 to be different. I don't want it to be like 2011. I want it to be different. And so she got home, and I said, where do you want to go? And she's like, what do you mean? It's New Year's Eve. Where are we going to go? And I said, I don't know. Let's just drive somewhere. So we kind of, I don't know if we used a little dial or something, but we kind of were like, we're going to go whatever direction this is. And so we ended up going, it was pointing north, so we're like, all right, we're going to go to Lake Erie, and at midnight, we're putting our feet in the water. God, we're stepping off the shore. We're doing whatever you want us to do. And um, we're on our way up there. About quarter till, we realized we weren't going to make it in time. Um, so we, uh, we ended up pulling over, um, welcoming the new year in um, at a, at a, right before an exit, and then continued our journey. Well, we got to, to Erie, PA, and there's no access to the beach anywhere because everything shut down where, where we were like Presque Isle and these places. So we ended up um, just getting a hotel room and then in the morning went out and kind of did that. And uh, we're standing in the water. It's freezing cold. And we just said, God, this is, this is for you. We just want to serve you in a way that is, is out of the box and um, out of our comfort zones. And um, within, well, it's been, it was like April, I began April of 2012, um, doing photography. I'm at a shoot at Abbey Studio. Um, it's a 12-hour shoot. It's like a makeup shoot, so I'm there by myself. And I remember just I'm taking pictures, and they're you know phenomenal dancers. So like, it's really easy to take pictures. Like they're doing their dance or their jumps and stuff, and it's really easy. And I'm just kind of there. But in the in my mind, I can hear God saying, "It's time to go." And I'm like, what do you mean it's time to go? Like, I've been going. Like, I've been doing ministry 12 years. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? We went to Kansas. We went here. It's time to go. But that was it. There was no other clarification of it. Um, bathroom break. Um, I lost one of my bumpers. So, uh, But there's no other clarification of it um, except for to go. And so for 12 hours, I'm just, what do you mean, God? Like, you know, taking a picture. All right, smile. Okay, do this. But in my mind, I'm wrestling with God. And I get into my car, well, into the van, and oh, there you're taking her bathroom. And um, start heading back to the studio. And by the time, you know, from the leaving her studio to the time I got home was roughly hour and a half, two hours. And at this point, like, I feel like God, I, I mean, 
You rescued me from the darkest night. I've been doing, you know, getting kicked out of churches and doing stuff for, for 12 years in your name. So at this point, I'm like, tell me what the deal is, man. Like, what are you saying? It's time to go. Like, I feel like I have a relationship with you where you could just be real with me. What do you mean it's time to go? Nothing, nothing. So I walk in the door at home. And uh, I mean, I'm probably kind of kicked open the door because I'm at this point, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. This guy just won't tell me, you know. So I'm coming in the room. She's on the uh, couch waiting up for me. And uh, I don't even really look at her. I kind of did like a glance, like, man, plop down in my corner seat on the, on the couch. And I said, all day long, God's been saying it's time to go. And I have no idea what he means. And then I kind of looked at her. And she's sitting there with her Bible open. Um, tears are down her face and said, he's been telling me the same thing too. And so then we were kind of like, okay, what's this? What's it mean? What do you mean it's time to go? And, after, and we just started praying and seeking God. And the only statement we got was go love people. And we, I mean, we took the next two months of really seeking him. But what we felt he was telling us to do was to sell everything and just go love people. Not, you know, um, not go raise a bunch of mission support to do it first or go just go love people. And so we we redid a 12 passenger van, um, like an old people mover into a little one room apartment and us and our cat. And we we hit the road and uh, we went to to Texas, to Florida, um, everywhere. Else. I mean, a lot of places. And we would go to one place and God would open the door for the next place. And um but I remember being in, we were in, not down near Tampa, Florida, and we had an e- event up here with, uh, you remember Youth Works, they always came around and did mission work. We would do concerts for them um, as called out every Tuesday, and uh, they contacted me and said they had a group, and they would like me to come do some music. So this would have been Tuesday evening. Well, we're in Tampa, and Monday morning, we're set to go serve at a a food place in Orlando. And, uh, so we're like, we'll be there. We're going to make it happen. We'll be there. So we go serve and, um, they served, I think 650 people within an hour. Like it was just unbelievable. Just watching the people come through this line and, um, it's all said and done. And, you know, you got these guys that are homeless and that are, that are downtrodden and they're coming up to me and they're, they're encouraging me and telling me how to make money to continue to do what I'm doing. And um, it was an awesome experience. But the realization was when we got in the van, we had $106 left. And our van got less than eight miles a gallon. And we had to make it back to Steubenville. And at this point, it was, I'm trying to think, it was less than like 20 hours or something. It was a 15-hour drive or something like that. And we had like 20 hours to get there or something. So with stops and everything. And uh, we, at that point we said, God, if, if, if this is what you call us to do, which we believe it is, then we're just going to put in, we had a PayPal debit card because people can donate money to PayPal. We'd have it instantly. And I said, I'm going to use this card all the way home. And if I don't have money in there, it's not going to work. Like it's not like a credit card. It's like, it's a debit. So we started the journey home and every time we needed gas, I mean, probably hesitantly just slid it in there. It worked. All right, fill it up. You know, because I'm only getting eight miles a gallon, I feel like it's like the next city over. Here we go. Slide it in. It worked. Okay. We pull in to, uh, to Steubenville, to, to the Presbyterian church where Youth Works is at. Um, and it's like a half hour before we're supposed to be there. And I mean, it was one of them like movie scenes. Like we pulled in and the van was just, just kind of 
just died out and uh, get out. And at this point, I mean, I'm sweaty and, you know, just the truck didn't or the van didn't have air conditioning. So that was a whole nother part. But um, we get out and there's like 20 kids. And, you know, in, in your mind, you know, you're doing ministry stuff. When you get invited somewhere to do something, um, your, your human part of you is, we'll try to figure out the numbers, right? You're trying to say, okay, I'm going to go here. Um, hopefully I can sell, you know, 10 t-shirts or help this just to pay the gas and not to really live a lavish lifestyle, but just to pay the, 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 to meet the needs. And so I get out and I'm thinking 20 kids. Oh man. Like usually sell a t-shirt to one out of every 10 people, you know? So I'm thinking that's two t-shirts. Okay. That's 20 bucks. All right, Lord. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to do this, but we did the concert and afterward we, uh, it was unbelievable. We ended up, I think it was like a $450 merchandise count at the end. And we're looking at each other and it was in amazement, not because now, now we can go get something to eat for dinner, but it was God really proved to us that as long as we remain faithful and are obedient to what he's calling us to do each step of the way, that he will always provide the needs that we have. And so we did that, um, for about six months. And then from there, um, if you got, if you had anything to say, you just chime in. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm just trying to do the timeline here. Um, we met up with a, a gentleman who was doing something similar to what we were doing. Uh, it's called the extreme tour. And, um, he invited us to be a part of what they were doing. And so after a lot of prayer and seeking God, we felt that that was what he was leading us to do. So in January of 13, uh, we moved to Nashville and started working with this organization. And quickly he began opening up doors for us to, to really take on more responsibility. And, um, within a year and a half or so, we were the, um, North American teams director and Stacy was the artist and like, uh, recruitment manager and we were just all in and not getting paid. You know, we were this whole time, there's no, there's no money coming in. It's just God providing. Um, I think at one point, um, the, the highest we had received, we had about $700 a month coming in that was people supporting us. Um, and so we were doing all this understanding that that's, that's what we had. So we had still have to pay rent. We still had to you know, do all that stuff, but every month God would provide, God would provide, and, um, but we started to do that and traveling to 30 to 40 cities every summer, working with 30 to 40 churches every summer, um, coming in to strictly be the church's expression of outreach to their community. Like we were coming in to connect the non-church, the anti-church, the unchurched, whatever you want to call it, the disenfranchised, uh, to connect them with the church. Our, our role was strictly to connect. And then the goal was after we connected, the church would follow up and continue to build the relationships. And um, after doing that for two years, we started to notice that the the churches weren't following up. They weren't going back out. Every year they would bring us back and we would have to kind of start over. And, um, and so we're sitting here thinking, like, this isn't how this is supposed to work. We're, we're supposed to be um, connecting these churches and then they're supposed to continue to go out and continue to love on their neighbors and continue to do this. And if all we're doing is going around to these communities and telling these kids that they're loved and that they're cared about and that, you know, I'm not going to be here, but so-and-so Jason from the church is going to be here. And then Jason don't go out. All we're doing is traveling around lying to kids then. 
and we're, we're, we're actually doing more damage than we are good because if there's not a constant presence, they're going to feel as if they're dropped off. Or, or, and that's what a lot of these kids and a lot of these adults um, experience. And so we started to feel God stir our heart to, to really start to pay attention to that. And um, i trying to think. We had Arabella in 13, and so Stacy's pregnant with Madison in 2016, we had been to Kennesaw, Georgia, um, at a skate park down there. Um, we were doing an event. There's about 150 kids at the skate park event, trying to figure out how to engage the kids, get them involved in the event. So we decided to have a skate competition. Well, there was a kid named Mikey who was an African American kid, 18 years old, um, trying to raise his 13 year old brother by himself because his mom had just recently passed away from cancer and his dad had been gone since he was little, uh, but he had a rolled ankle, so he couldn't get involved in the skating, but I guess he was a good skater. And so I just said, Hey man, you want to help me judge this competition? You know, because I'm not, I'm out the loop on some of these tricks. And so he got involved in that and through conversation with him. And I said, this is a really good kid. He just needs some support around him. He needs people around him that will just pick up a gallon of milk for him or just stop by and say hi and uh, let them know they're there and um, introduce the, the youth pastor of the church down the road. Everything checked out. Seemed like it was going to be a really good pass off. Um, that was September of 15, uh, March of 16. We're in, I'm going into the office to begin preparation. God had been stirring our heart about this vision of, you know, long-term relationship-driven, um, standing in the gap type of mission, type of ministry. And uh, we were just trying to early, just figure it out. Well, I go into the office. Actually, it was February. It was February of, of, of 16. Stacy's at home on bed rest with Maddie because she has some complications with um, growth restriction or something. And so she was home with her. I'm at the office. I'm with Ian, get a text message. Um, Ian was in Kennesaw, Georgia with me, so we both got it from a skate park guy. And he says to me, I just want to let you know that Mikey took his own life. And I just remember, I mean, I backed up off the desk, looked at Ian, and said, what are we doing? What are we doing? If Is, is it just for us? So do we feel good about being missionaries? Is it just for these churches so they feel good about reaching their community? Like, if we're not really doing it, then what's it all for? And I, I, just, I was angry, and um, I said, I'm going to go home. And I walked in the door. Probably, I think this is the second part, second time I kicked open the door, I think. Um, and I come in, and Stacy's on bed rest. I probably startled her. And I said, what are we doing? Because I feel like all we're doing is lying to people. I feel like my whole life I've been fighting against the church because um, I make them uncomfortable because God has you know, called me to go out there. And then we're trying to help them learn how to reach the people in the community, the kids like me. And I just went on this rant. And at the end of this rant, I said, we make it so complicated trying to love people. We need to get back to the basics. And it was in the moment that we both kind of looked at each other and the basics, the basics project come out of that rant. And because of Mikey understanding that these kids don't need curriculum, they need a meal. You know, they don't need to be hit with scripture. They need to have somebody say, Hey, how you doing in school? How's your mom and dad? Oh, your mom and dad's not there. What do you need? How do it like, 
we began to understand that this is what Jesus referred to. You know, I mean, when, when they talk about religion, talk about loving people, like uh, we begin to understand it's the basics, you know, loving God with your whole heart, mind, soul, strength, you know, and loving your neighbor. And, you know, true religion is this, to care for the widows and the orphans. And uh, we, we began to process that and we said, okay, God, we hear you. You know, we, we, we hear you. Now, what do we do with this? And he said, go back to Mingo. I don't think I heard you correctly, God. Um, we live in Nashville. We've been to Florida, you know, every year for the last four years. I know a lot of friends. Did you mean to say Florida? Go back to Mingo. Nope. We're done praying today. Two weeks. I'm not even lying. Two weeks. We didn't even tell our families. We were like, two weeks. God, don't let us hear anybody else but you. Go back to Mingo. But God, there's nothing there. There's not, like, literally, there's nothing there. And we're going back into an environment that we literally left to be able to grow in our faith. You know, we're going back, go back to Mingo. And every reason that we had to not come back was the reason to come back. And so finally, after two weeks, um, we said, okay, we're hearing it. You know, we, we can't deny it. And so we began that process of, of moving back. And so we moved back in 2016 and launched the Basics Project um, October 1st of 16. So I'll stop there because I'm sure you want to jump in there. No, so- is muted, but that's all right. Uh, I talk loud anyways. But part of what we've been uh, trying to figure out is just how do we love the community? You know, I, this is good. We, we're, we come together. We work together. We serve together. But, but how do we go out and, and how do we make a difference in the community around us? Because community is so much bigger than just the church. So I love what you guys are doing. And I love it. What is it? Your hashtag is go be love, right? It's a, the simplest of words. Uh, but it has such a, a huge presence to it. And so I guess the, as we kind of wrap things up, and I thank you so much for sharing your story, and I'm really excited for maybe we'll do some music in the future. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, that would be fun. Um, from your experience, and we've kind of touched on a little bit the church and the community and how the church is kind of not always handled that well, right? Like we, we want to love people, but then when we really have to love people where they are, it's a little more difficult for us. So why, why do you think it's so important for the church to be plugged into its local community? 
Yeah, I mean, I think really, um, you want to answer this one? Me to answer it. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to take that. Um, but no, I think really at the heart of it, um, understanding the church's role is so vital, right, in the community. The church should be the place that people are drawn to, not because we got cool things or we have the best music or we have this stuff, but because we are in awe that God would choose to love us, right? At least for me, at the root of everything I do, I'm still baffled that he would choose to use me, right? Because I, I was a guy that I didn't pursue him. Like a lot of people will say, go, go find God. And I'm like, no, I was running from God and he pursued me. And so at the core of everything that I believe, the way my story played out is, is he, if he would pursue me in that moment, then I have to believe that every person in this room, every person that's up and down the streets, um, God is pursuing them, right? He's, he's, he's wants to reveal himself to them. And the church's responsibility in that is, number one, we, we have to, and I'm not going to do like a breakout session or nothing here, but like we have to learn that we don't do outreach for a result, Okay, like we always want people to come to know Jesus. That's that's a given. We want people to 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 serve the community. But any time that we attach a result to it, like a um, a progress report to it, or um, to to check a box or something, and we have a result, it's not outreach any longer, right? It becomes a transaction. We're 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 offering a service for something in return. And I remember there was a gentleman in Nashville. Um, when we were on the street, uh, we just went out um, just to to love on people, right? To have conversations. I want to know what it is that that made you um, in the situation you are in. Why are you homeless in Nashville? And uh, we're talking to a guy who went by Captain Kirk. Um, he's he came to Nashville in the seventies, trying to make it, never did. And he said something to me that really what uh, this there um, <laughs> that stuck out. He said, um, you know, I say because we were talking about God. And, and he was talking about the shoulder hurting. And I said, well, you know that God can heal you, right? Like that, that God had that the power in the Holy Spirit. Like he, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, like, we could pray about it. Like, and I'm not one of them guys that are like, you know, demanding that we pray together. But I was like, yeah, we can do that. And he was like, oh. And he's like, I pray all the time. And I said, oh, cool. And he says, yeah, because the ministry that comes down and brings food every weekend, they make us say a prayer um, to accept Jesus in order to get fed. And I was like, what? Like, you have to. So he says, I've accepted Jesus so many times. And I'm like, what? You know, so I'm like, listen, man, I'm not even going to speak on that. But I believe that God can heal your shoulder. And I believe that he can He can heal your heart. And um yeah, I'm not going to talk on that. You know, and I kind of, we, we moved on and uh, just, it was baffling though. And I think, but that's how I think the, the church has been. And that's why I think it was so uncomfortable with doing hip hop and different things like that is because um, there's always kind of the expectation. Um, I remember there was a local event I was trying to put on and I had a conversation with a really nice woman um, who, um, when I told her we were going to have a gospel event, she was excited. I said, we're going to have this and this and this. And she's like, oh, that's awesome. And I said, then I have a guy who's uh, he's a hip-hop artist. He's going to come in too. Oh, she stops me. And she says, listen, I'm a Christian too, but the type of people that he will attract, we don't want them here. And I said, well, okay, I'm not going to use your venue then. Because if you can't accept the least of these, then then I want. And I, and I wrestle with that. And, and, I, and I know it sounds like I'm you know, sometimes hating or what, but it's generalizations of what I've noticed in 20 something years of outreach ministry is we, we're not confident in our identity. All right. 
you're here this morning because God has drawn you in because he has given his life for you. You know, you, you, it wasn't something you did to earn that, right? We're here because we want to gather because we want to see Kim. It's kind of like in your marriage, right? You think about your date nights, you know what I mean? I got guys at work that are like, oh, my wife wants to have a date night. And I'm like, you should be happy about that, man. Like, I don't get to have date night. Like, we haven't had a date night in nine years without at least one kid. You know what I mean? So I'm going, what do you mean? You know, but it's, to me, it shows that. And then when you start to think of the, the, the bigger picture, the American church and um, social media, right? So we all have friends on social media, and hopefully nobody in here thinks I'm talking about you or you know, I'm in your, your briefcase in your business or anything. But, like, you know the people that get on Facebook and they post these pictures, right? They'll either be super makeuped up or they'll use a bunch of filters, right? They're trying to cast a vision of a joy that they really don't have, but they want you to believe that they do. And I believe that sometimes the church is guilty of that. Okay, we cast this vision that we are all just perfect people like going and we really love you, but we, we don't know how to interact because we're really not that joyful because we are still stuck on our own you know, personal stuff. And I think that's where I think the church getting together, having conversations about who are we? right? We are children of God. God has chosen to reveal himself to us. The fact that he has drawn you in, nobody comes to the father that is not drawn. You know what I mean? He's drawn you in. You, you are chosen. You are loved. You are, you are, man, if we can understand that and understand that our identity is not on what we do, but whose we are. And we, if we understand that God has put us here, your congregation is here for a purpose. You guys are in this city for a reason. It's a city. I don't know if I'm from English, a village. Yeah. So this, this town, you're here for a purpose. <laughs> I don't know what the, the proper thing is, but you're, you're here. God has placed you in your school and your work and your, uh, whatever environment you go to the other six days of the, out of the week to be an example of his love. But if you don't have that love in you, whether it's because you haven't you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you haven't accepted that he loves you despite all of your mess ups or, or whatever it is. If you don't have that love, it's hard to take it out there. But when you do have that love, it's easy. You know what I mean? Like you talk about conversations, my conversations, I can't help but not talk about Jesus because I literally, I, I believe that, that I'm, I'm in awe. Like I can't explain it. Like I, I, I get, I get to do so many things and I just sit back and go, this is unbelievable. Like God would use me to do this. And what's, what was my criteria of what, what are my accomplishments that, that I want? Nothing. I'm not college educated. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like, there are so many things that there are people that are overly qualified for or, or more qualified than I am, but God continues to use me. And I think it's really based on that simple fact that he has allowed me because of my testimony, because of my story, to be able to love people in that moment without any expectations of who they are, knowing that God is at work in them. And when the moment comes, he's going to use our conversation to reveal the glimpses of, of heaven on earth to them, the, the, the glimpses of his love and his peace. And that is amazing. I don't have to get the credit for it. I just love the fact that I can be in the midst of it and be in a partnership with God where I can help people see that, that, that he does change lives. He does redeem people. And uh, I'll stop there before I go. I, uh, I am, I, I'm grateful, man. I'm, I'm grateful for your, uh, your friendship. I'm grateful to watch kind of your journey. 
Uh, I'm excited to be back in the area. I'm excited that you and I yeah, reconnected. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm actually, we're going we're gonna to end there. If that's all right. Uh, I was going to preach a little bit, but honestly, man, I don't think I got anything that I need to bring to the table uh, because I think you said, uh, the only thing I can think of is you talk about community. Uh, the early church understood community, man. They they live life together. They, uh, they, as one had need, they took care of each other, and and that's part of what we what we want to create here. Is this is not just a place for us to come and worship, and and that's pivotal, but it's a place where people can come and they can feel like they belong. Right. I had a conversation just recently with a another lady, and she's telling me about her kids or the church that they're going to. They're planning on leaving. And, of course, I'm a little nosy, and I'm like, you know, why? Like, well, they like the preaching. Okay, well, that's good. Well, they, like, they like the worship. Okay. They just don't feel like they've ever really connected. I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of rough, man. But, and, and part of it is, is being connected. Uh, there's a, a survey, that, uh, a research, an article you guys will see I posted on the Facebook page talking about how uh, 71% of the current generation, so the 18 to 22 uh, year old, the, the one thing that they're missing the most in their life that they say they're missing in the most is genuine community. And they're looking for churches that are offering genuine community. They're looking for ways to connect small groups, community groups, ways to study. They, they want to understand their faith. And then the last part of it is they want to be a part of a church that's doing something. Yeah. The church that, that is actually loving people around them and not just building up their own walls, but actually tearing them down and saying, listen, you have a need, let's meet it. And, and so I believe with everything in me that God brought me back here to create that kind of church where we are so outward focused that even if this building fell down, we could still do ministry. And, and so that's where I, I believe that we're headed. And I'm excited for opportunities to work with you. And uh, I'm going to pray. And then just thank you guys so much for everything you've done, man. And, uh, yeah. God, I thank you so much for Bobby and Stacy and their family. And, and the story they, they continue to tell, God, their, their testimony of not only your faithfulness, of, but just the getting back, and I love it, getting back to the basics of, of just loving people and meeting them where they are and building relationships. And, and not you know, the goal is to, to bring them to the knowledge of you, but but to serve them and love them without that expecting that transaction, right? Just to be genuine and authentic with it. So thank you for what they're doing in this area. Thank you for how you continue to use us as a church. Uh, God, we just love you, and we just ask that you continue to allow us to see uh, the world around us, those in it, the people, the way you see them, and how much you love them, and, and how much you desire for them to know that they're loved by you, and, and may we be the ones who are doing that. God, thank you for who you are and everything you do. So as we pray, amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. Hey, if you want to learn more about our church, check us out at refocuschurch.com or look us up on Facebook at Refocus Christian Church. We're located in Fallonview, West Virginia. Uh, we'd love to have you and your family out. Come check out and see what God is doing on our people, in our community, in our church. All right. Later.